We back. <laughs> Episode we, four, Most Hated Podcast. We back, baby. Y'all already know what time it is. You know, y'all been tuning in. Uh, the posts have been going up. Views been going up. Subs been going up. People saying dumb shit on the on the comments. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. We had to flame up a few people. At least they listening. Exactly. So we back, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate you guys um, for listening to our crazy takes. Unpopular, some popular, some unpopular. Great takes. But we're gonna we're gonna continue to do what we do. Um, so today we're gonna start fresh. Uh, to all my NBA fans out there, you already know what time it is. <laughs> NBA's back. The, the the paperwork has been signed. Don't quote me on that. I wasn't in the room, but <laughs> I'm going to just say the paperwork has been signed. No, it's official, baby. Shout out Adam Silver and everybody at the NBA. I know it's been a difficult two months trying to figure this thing out. Um, all us NBA fans were just praying and hoping that we would get to finish the basketball season. Um, and here we are. Uh, we, we're still a long ways off. Uh, you know, they put out the guidelines stating, you know, what their plan is. Uh, and I think that they're not going to officially come back uh, playing games until... It is at the end of July. July should be the end of July. Exactly. 22 teams. Exactly, exactly. Um, a few teams are salty that they weren't invited. You, you, the reason you, were, you, you weren't invited because you're not good enough. You suck. Um, <laughs> well, it was just a, and one team didn't want to do it, so... Oh well, we they weren't they weren't gonna win anyway, so um Wait yeah. a second. Forgot to tell you, bro. You know what this means too though. What? That Zion oh, and yeah. John Moret, baby. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Forgot all about uh, Trash Zion. Uh, uh, oh yeah, we you already know what time it is. You know, already know what time it is. Um I'm team Zion. I'm team I'm team Zion and Ja. I I rock with them both. Paul don't rock with Zion, so um <laughs> the most overrated player in the history of the game besides Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're tripping. He might be better than Giannis, but either way, that's an, that's for another day. I'll take that. Okay, that's cool. Um so yeah, guys, I, I uh, all, all our NBA guys, I know I know everybody's excited to resume the season. However you, um, whatever your position is, whoever your team is, uh, you know, we, we ride for Brian on this side. So we want all the smoke. All, <laughs> all the smoke. All the smoke. We, we want it all. Kawhi, what's up? Giannis, what's up? Joel Embiid, what's up? We, we ready for it. No, nah, I want to talk about, well, I ain't going to talk about it, but I'm going to bring up that one guy who said Scottie Pippen was better than LeBron James. <laughs> but we'll leave it at that. I mean, we had to, we had to flame him up because that was that was absurd. I mean, Scottie Pippen is our is our guy. We rock with Scottie, but Scottie couldn't do LeBron laundry, man. If he if he needed to, no, nah, he said he said LeBron would be on the third team. He wouldn't even be on the the bench. He'll be on the third team. So, if you listen to wherever your name is, bro, just know you trash at these takes. I mean, you know, people people got different issues. You know, some people are on drugs. You know. Uh, Smoke, smoking a whole lot of weed, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, guys, um, yeah, we're just excited that the NBA is coming back. We'll see how that goes with quarantining and and uh, doing it from a remote location. You know, all the teams being in that in that one particular area. Uh, I know they were uh, <clears throat> talking about a few different ways to, you know, show 
uh, the home court team's favor in the sense of, I guess, maybe putting their logo on the floor uh, in the gym that they're playing in, et cetera. But at this point, I don't think anybody really cares. I think, you know, people just want to see hoops. Um, what do you think it's going to look like? Them, them, those first four weeks, I think it's going to be horrible. It's going to be weird. You know, it's, no, it's going to be no fans. Uh, and we've never seen anything like that, I don't believe. Well, not just that, not just the presentation part. I'm, I'm in like the performance. No one's really been hooping. Right. Oh, no, yeah, the, that's true. The conditioning. Um, it's going to be bad. Just think, well, I know I play basketball every week. If I miss two, three weeks, bro, I can't hit nothing. I'm out of shape. I'm out of breath. Just imagine basketball players haven't played since in three months. So Just about, yeah. So, yeah, they, they're definitely going to be rusty. You know, their their perception of the game is going to be off for, for a minute. But, you know, I think with hoops, you know, once you get three, four games in, you know, stuff will probably start clicking for them. I mean, they are professional, so they're probably, you know, more likely to click faster than an average person, most likely. Yeah, but have you seen some of the players? Have you seen James Harden? I saw James Harden got skinny from what, what they were saying. Yeah, he done, got skinny. he done went up to the mountains and lost, like, 30 pounds. Okay, I mean, that, that might be cool. I mean, you know, maybe he'll have a little bit more lift off. You know, maybe he'll attack the rim a little bit more. Um, I think it's a good thing that, you know, he decided to, you know, take this time out to focus on something constructive for himself because uh, James Harden still has a lot to prove in this league. Yeah, he's an MVP, but... When it counts the most, he's known to to disappear. So, uh, which is unfortunate because his if anybody's game is built for the final moments of a game, I would think it's James Harden, in my opinion, just because his ability to go to the you know go to the hole, get fouled, be at the free throw line. I mean, that's perfect for somebody who's trying to win a game. And you got a shot. Yeah, you got the one of the craziest shots in the NBA. Like, well, how, how are you not showing up? It doesn't make sense. Well, I think a part of it is. One reason why he doesn't play defense is because he has to play so much offense, but losing this weight is going to help him with his conditioning. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like, he always gets tired towards game five, six, you know, later into the series, and I think this will help him out a lot. Granted, he got to stop just shooting threes, but like you said, he's going to have more lift. He's going to drive more. I mean, we really don't need James Harden driving more. He already – goes to the free throw line 15 times a game. But I think it's going to help a lot. He's just got to uh, – I wonder if he's practiced with uh, Westbrook while this happened. Westbrook probably come out here and be like, who are you? He, he ain't passing that rock, bro. Right, right. You never know. I mean, their whole their whole uh, dynamics uh, as the Rockets team is interesting uh, from the get-go uh, because of, you know, the small ball that they're trying to play, which, you know – before the season was postponed, you know, we saw a little glimpse of it. They won some games, lost some games. So I would say that it boils down. It's going to be a matchup thing like any team versus any other team. As we've seen, it's all about matchups. So somebody great can get beat by a, a worse team if the matchup is, is, is wrong. So we'll just have to wait and see. Did they say the seeding? Um, is it 1 through 16 or is it going to be – I think it's going to be one through sixteen, isn't it? I'm not. I'm not sure, but let's talk about that a little bit, Paul, because um, that's a topic that uh, I think we we probably covered off off air uh, a few times in the past about that idea of the NBA going to a different playoff format 
in the sense of the best uh, teams one through sixteen. In my opinion, I feel like that's just that should be something that they consider very heavily. Uh, I've seen that the opposition would most likely come from whichever conference obviously has the weaker teams because that would mean that that revenue uh, that that conference would be making, that those teams in that particular conference, the money that they would be making from playoffs, they would no longer be making it because if they do one through 16, then most likely in, in today's NBA right now, there would be more West teams in it than Eastern teams. So yeah, that means a lot of Eastern teams would be missing out on those. Yeah, I was, say, I was gonna say I looked and I think it's gonna be. I think it was like what ten to six, ten teams from the West, six teams from the East. If yeah. it was supposed to be something like that, so and that sounds fair to me uh, in the sense that if you got the, I mean, the, uh, the whole NBA. You're playing everybody. So whoever has the best record, they just got the best record. You, that just means you need to step your game up. You need to go back to the drawing board and figure out why you're not winning ball games. Because if a team has a better record than you, regardless of the conference, they should get into the playoffs. They should. That's just my opinion on it. You know we still got that bet, right? About what, Zion? Zion and John. You said... You said it was uh, a playoff bet, right? About who would make the playoffs? You said, or yeah, the Pel- of the year? no, you said the Pelicans were actually, I don't know. It, I might, be check a rookie it. Of the, it might be the rookie, of the no, year I think you said the Pelicans was making the playoff. I can't remember. Well, you're you gonna owe me money. Well, I think we talked about both of those subjects, but I think we put the bet on the rookie of the year. Ja's gonna win the rookie of the year, though. That's it's, not it's guaranteed he's gonna win a rookie of the year. Well, at this point, it probably is concrete because, because he's better. All the hoopla because <laughs> he's better. No, there's more hoopla around Zion. No, there. Yeah, there's more not, hoopla around Zion. But Ja's not better than Zion. Yes, he is. I think. I think because of his position. I th- and I think that's always an argument when it comes to these NBA players is that some, depending on your position, you're going to execute the game in a, in a particular type of way. It looks a, t- a particular type of way. So it's going to look like maybe that you're better than another player who maybe is a bigger player as a, as a forward or a center, but like impact on game. I mean, you're proving my point. Well, the point I'm trying to make (laughs) is that John Morant is clearly a great talent. Like I'm a fan of his, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on both their sides. You know, I just like it. I, I just like the game getting new exciting players that, you know, that are young, that's going to take the league into the, the new generation. So, I, you know, I have no qualms about Jai in that way. But but Zion is a is a monster. I mean, this, this, this kid, from the time he came in off injury, I know, you know, people were concerned about his weight and maybe that still, still is a thing. But I just really believe that he's just made different. Like, I think he's made of that LeBron James type stuff where – you know, I don't think he was really that injured. I think they were just being very cautious. Oh man, you gonna get with that? He was I'm that. Serious. I mean, David, you know, you know, David, you know these good GMs. They're not going if they're gonna draft you number one, number two, number three. They're not about to take no chances. If they gotta tell somebody that yeah, he's injured just so they can make sure a hundred percent, they're gonna do that. They're gonna lie. They're gonna just straight out lie and be like, oh, well, he has a bad knee injury, knowing damn well he just they just want him to come in. Stop it. Stop it. Relaxed and at at ease. Man, look, look. 
Zion can jump high. He's big. He's he's way too big for his size. He can jump high. He can't shoot. What else can he he he's a good offensive rebound. He gets his own rebound. Ooh. Uh what else? That's does a he big do? deal. Man, all right. Offensive okay. Re- offensive rebound so, is a special. So thing. what if I tell you you get a player who's small, he got bounce, he can pass, he can shoot. He can John do Moret all. Of, cannot shoot. Players. He can shoot better than Zion. But he's a small. He's a guard. No, no, no. To, whoa, whoa. He's supposed to shoot better than a four. That's not true. That's not necessarily true. It is true. true. Well, but on percentage, I'm sure shooting guards shoot better. Or but Zion can't shoot. shoot better than anybody. Anybody. Oh, Giannis can't either. But he's the MVP. Uh we're not getting on Giannis. I'm just saying. We're not getting on Giannis. I'm just okay. Saying. What what I don't get is the hype behind Zion. Zion. The, the hype is ripped. Paul. I, the, I the would, man, okay. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Zion. Because I'm about first to, of all, I'm about to flame you. I, t- <laughs> I told you. I told you. I said Zion is going to get hurt. I text you this. I said Zion's gonna get hurt before the season starts. He wasn't hurt I, though. Zion's gonna get hurt before the season. And but what he, happened? But he you wasn't said, hurt. And you bro. sent me a text. You said, Paul. Zion's playing the first game of the season. I said, I no, mean, that's not. just me being optimistic. <laughs> no, no. No, you're being ridiculous. He's too big. Coming from a fat person with knee problems, he's too big. But he's never been fat, ball. He's too big for his knees. You can't be that explosive and not and have that much weight on your legs. I mean, like, I, feel, I feel that. I mean, that's a good point. I tell I people just, I tell people all the time, like with Blake Griffin. When I watched Blake Griffin in Oklahoma, I was like, this dude needs to find another game besides dunking because right. it's not going to last. Right. And look at him now. He's still having knee problems, but he finally figured out, oh, I need to start doing jump shots. I need to figure out a different game. It's too late now. He should have did that six, seven years ago. I agree with that. I just feel like Zion Zion has a, he's, he's, he has a particular type of niche game in the sense that People know him for dunking. Like, that's kind of what he's been known for throughout the time that he's been in the spotlight. But if you really watch him play, he has a nose that only superstars have. Like, the the difference between a regular player and a superstar is just that very small percentage of a difference of how they're looking at the game, how they respond to the game. And I feel like Zion, back to that point about his offensive rebounding skills, like that's a specialty. Like not everybody has the ability to know the trajectory of the ball that they just put up and be able to get that second bounce to get it. Like most people ain't good at that. Yeah, but that's because he sucks at shooting. That's why, oh, oh, I but, missed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm five feet away from goal. Oh, I know I'm about to miss this. Let me get my own rebound. I mean, that's, like, I mean but it, it works though, Paul. I mean, the, the, dude, the dude came in first game. And drop what six threes in a game or something? That's because the coach was about to take him out, and they were giving him the shot. I don't care about none of that shoot. But he was making it. But, but okay, okay. How about this? You say he hit what? No, I think he he probably hit like four or five yeah, threes. Yeah, it, it was, but it was yeah, it was more. Okay, than three. so he played fifteen more games. Guess how many threes he hit after that? But Paul, how he many? didn't hit none. <laughs> he hit none. He didn't hit none. All right, uh, listeners, we about to look up some some facts, some stats. Just so we can be very clear about what's going on. I'm going to keep talking. I'm about to roast Zion. I'm going to go go ahead and look this up. I've been watching Zion since high school. Everybody's been looking at his tapes. Everybody's like, oh, he's playing against these little white kids. He's playing. And I completely agree. 
So he goes to college. I'm like, bro, he's with Duke. Like, he's gonna get all. He's he's gonna get everything. They're they're gonna crown him the best player. Blah blah. Zion don't do nothing but dunking. He does nothing but dunk. I'm sick of watching him. It's the same take I have with Giannis, except Zion is humble. He knows deep inside, like, hey, bro, you gonna have to figure something else out. You can't just dunk your way through the NBA. And all that. I mean, come on now. He has no skill set. That shooting threes. During the um, what the first game of the season, I mean, first game of his season, that's all good and dandy. But after that, he wasn't hitting nothing, and he can't shoot no free throws. And I'm not gonna say he didn't hit one more three after that, but I was pretty sure after that he probably probably hit five more threes after that. He right. probably hit five more threes. What? 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 Fat check, fat man. Where you at? All right, guys. Uh, for everybody that's <laughs> that's Team Kinos, we about to flame him up. <laughs> As it's presently noted, as it's presently noted, Zion Williamson has played a total of 19 NBA games. Uh He is averaging 23.6 points a game, shooting 58.9% from uh, the field, 6.8 rebounds a game, and 2.2 assists per game. Now, John Morant... In comparison, has whoa, played. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. By comparison, John Morant has played 59 games. Is that accurate? Hold on. Are these stats accurate? Hold on. He fine. How many games? No, no, no. I'm trying to see. How many games did they play before they stopped? They're at almost 70. They're almost at 70. Okay. So instead of saying up until the point they postponed it, we'll just go off, you know, the amount of games that's being uh, labeled on these stats because they're still accurate stats up until, you know, a certain point. So in comparison, John Morant played 59 games uh, up until a point, uh, averaging 30 minutes a game, 17.6 points per game in comparison to Jaws 23.6. So that's about a, almost a six point difference. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's go off of volume now. Let's look, see that. You see that? No, I'm saying that's that's fine. fine, But I guess all I'm saying, okay, let me finish this stat line. 17.6 points a game for John Moran shooting 49.1% from the field, which is great. 3.5 rebounds a game, 6.9 assists per game. So when it comes to the rebounds and the assists, him and, Zion kind of flip-flop, you know, Ja has more assists than rebounds, Zion has more rebounds than assists, uh-huh. but Zion has more points per game, though Ja Morant has played in more games, which is going to take into account his exactly, the points per game, yeah, it averages, and we understand that, but my overall arching theme is still this, when you see Zion on the floor, if you know hoops, Paul, you know basketball, you are going against your own intuition of knowing the game of basketball. When you lay eyes on Zion Williamson on the court, he is balling. He is hooping. That cannot oh, be denied. Oh, okay, okay. It can't I, be denied. I, I'm going to say this. He's been hooping, but I don't understand or I don't agree with all this hype. You even said the hype since LeBron. No, hell no. No. The, like, hi- the, hype, is th- the hype is there because of the domination. But the, but the problem is this. It's just like I see time and time again when I tell people, hey, he's he's okay. He can dunk, but, like, do something else. For example, Josh Smith. Josh Smith out here. Oh, Highlight Factory. Oh, Atlanta Hawks fan. I mean, but oh, everybody, we love but, it. But if you know hoops, people knew that Josh Smith was trash. No, no, sir. If you, knew, if, you okay. really, if you really knew, did you ever think that Josh Smith was top tier 
No, but I've seen people talking some Josh Smith in the top 10 yeah, in the league. Yeah, because they're dumb. But it's just like Blake Griffin. I've never thought Blake Griffin was top 10. Me either. Ever. But Me that's either. what I'm saying. But he, I, he might have been top 10 at some random year. But I'm putting Blake Griffin and Zion in that same category. See, I'm not doing that. But that's what I'm doing because, no, I'm saying look at all the things already. He's already having knee problems. He weighs too much. But I say I think it's, I think his knee problems are overblown. That's the difference between what you think and what I think. I think I think they're hyping this. I think they're just putting that information out there to make an excuse for why they want to sit him just to protect their investment. That's my that's my opinion. And I, I'm not I'm not there. I'm not the GM. I, I'm, I'm not in the office. But, but that's just what I believe. But what I'm saying is the same exact thing that happened to Blake Griffin. Blake was doing all this dunking, and I was like, he's going to get hurt. And then he got hurt the summer of his rookie year, and he had to sit out the rest of the but, season. But let me say this the, too. The let, whole season. Let me say this too, Paul, to that point about Blake. Because I was just watching some highlights uh, probably yesterday. And, and I'm going to say this too. Blake Griffin is trash. I, he is trash. I don't that, care what anybody that's, like. That's cool. I mean, I, I'm not a Blake fan, so I, I, can't, <laughs> I, ain't gonna, I, can't, I can't defend that, uh, Mr. Mr. Griffin. But – Back to your point about Blake Griffin dunking, um, as much as he did, the, see the difference about I think between Zion and Blake and even DeAndre Jordan is that those guys were trying to dunk at all costs. If you go back and watch those that, that film of them, they were taking off from places that it looked like a train wreck. You're like, yo, if somebody undercuts you, you're done. It's like the D Wade thing, like like how D Wade was. You said D Wade. Yeah, D Wade was oh, always okay. trying to dunk. You know, I'm just saying. You know, no, I, I get what you're you saying. You know, as, as Lob City, they yeah. they they made it where like they didn't think on the the back end of it. They would just react. So if yeah. somebody throw the ball in the air, no matter where they were standing, they them fools, them fools would try to jump over you and you know jump from the free throw line and you know they leg is cocked to the side. It's, it's just like, bro, you're endangering yourself. Yeah. I, and, and I think that's what the difference, in my opinion, that's. I mean, the John Moran does that too. Yeah, I mean, and he see, needs but, to chill out. See too. that that's my that's the point I'm trying to get to is that yes, from uh, the surface level, you know, it's been it's been looked at like uh, Zion is already having these injuries, and I, and I think I want to say Ja had a major injury in no, college. No, no, yeah, he had to get uh, his knee cleaned up. Right, yeah, he got his we're, knee we're, you know up. that's pretty that's pretty standard you know for a lot of players um but back to that point about you know just being out of control I think I think Zion is very methodical I think that's why that's why even though I I can see a person's point about his weight and the the pressure on the knees and and kind of what his skill set caters to it does cater to him being in the air and alley-oops and always dunking and I and I think that for the most part, that's what people know him for. But I, I also believe that that is really just where his true talent lies. And I, and I don't mean his true talent lies in dunking. I just think that he has a certain niche around the rim. Like, when he gets around the rim, he's going to score. Like, whether he lays it up or dunks it, you are not stopping this man. <laughs> Gi- Giannis couldn't stop him. Uh, I mean, a lot of big men in the league that he played, superstars, could not do nothing with Zion. All right. so Even Bron couldn't do nothing with him. He, he was just too well, big. Bron, but Bron shut that down. But anyway, but, <laughs> but I want to ask you this, though. So, do you see Zion as a three or a four? Because I can't see him as neither. He's too – like, they say I just he's see six, him as eight. a hybrid. I just see him as a, as a, as a guy who – he doesn't really fit anywhere. He just is. He does what he does, and he does it well. And I just I don't really look but, at him but, like that. But the reason why I ask this is because 
he he can't shoot enough to be a three. Right. He doesn't have. He has a. He has. I don't think he has any post moves. Like he can he can score like you said to be a four. He got post moves though. But but also what I'm saying is, see he came. No one ever seen anything really like that coming into the league. But when he starts to have more games and people starting to study, what can he do? Like they gonna start hacking him. I promise you. He can't shoot free throws. I mean, of course, you in certain situations people are gonna hack him, and you you know just like any of these other players who weren't that great from the free throw line. I just think that. I just know for a fact, just putting my eyes on him. And I, I mean, and this happened before he got to the NBA because I was, I, the crazy thing about it was I was never a Zion fan. Like, I was probably worse than you at the beginning when he was in high school when people used to just send me clips of him dunking. I'm like, yo, he looks like he's dunking on, um, uh, uh, hey, Arnold or something. Like, he's not really, work, he's not really doing anything against any, any real competition. So it kind of was annoying me, and I'm sure that's kind of how you felt about it. Was like, this is annoying. Like this hype is annoying, and I was at that place too. And then the first time I laid eyes on the dude at a higher level at Duke, and not to say that you know the NCAA is just the top level. I mean, it is the top level college players, but it's still no NBA. But at that next level, he was dominating. Like that, they just. There was nobody that could do anything with the guy, and you would think that that would mean that they would win the national championship and everything. But um, that goes back to what you're saying about his skill set. He does have to, you know, find a way to diversify. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like I, out of all the players that I see time in and time out, I always like, man, he's he's okay. Like y'all all into the dunking and stuff, but longevity, I don't see it. That's what I'm saying. Like I can't remember old dude's name. He came from Duke. Well, he was like one of the top picks uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway. Big player, small guy? Yeah, Jabari guy? Parker. That's what I was thinking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jabari yeah. Parker. Like, Jabari Parker, he was good, but people were, like, hyping him up like he was the next mellow. He was all of this. And I'm oh, like, yeah, for sure. I thought that, too. Yeah, and I was just like, he could possibly do it. But the thing is also, and I don't want to hark on this. But a lot of people are a lot of people are overrated because they're on Duke because Duke has them. Every player that comes from Duke is supposed to be the greatest player of all time. I, I we can talk about this another day, but Kyrie Irving is overrated. I, I I got so much stuff to say about that, but we'll talk about it another day. But the thing is, Zion, he's he's getting everything. Everyone's hyping him up, but I'm asking later on, is he going to last long in the NBA with his weight? I want you. I want you to tell me: Is he gonna last if he stays at two eighty five? Is he gonna last in the NBA? I want you. To, I, I, what do you think? Because I personally don't believe it. I don't think he's going to at all. I think he's gonna be like five years, and after that, oh, he's just he having more knee problems, having more knee problems. I don't believe that. I, I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility. I'm not gonna leave that off the table. Uh, I just believe that with a good general manager like David Griffin. Uh, running the show and having experience with LeBron James and other high-level players and being in high-level situations um, and dealing with a high-level organization at the time, I just think that they're going to make sure that they take care of their investment. You know, I think that that's just what that boils down to. I think, obviously, that they can only do so much and that naturally, as you, you know, develop that wear and tear, uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, what the results of that is. But 
everybody has to go through the wear and tear. You know, nobody, you know, it's, it's rare that you have players like LeBron who can go 17 years and never have, you know, for the most part, a major injury up until last year. So that's rare in itself. But I do believe that Zion is made up of that, you know, regardless of what people think about, you know, the injuries that they said he's had. I mean, because even think about even at Duke when his shoe blew out. And even then, I, I knew I just knew that the guy wasn't injured. They just wanted to make sure. Oh, no, like, they, yo, I, I agree. They're being cautious. Yeah. Like, you know, he like he twisted a little bit, fell backwards and all that. So, I, I mean, I just feel like you're going to you're going to protect your investment no matter what the situation is and in the situation in this situation in particular the player is the investment the one that you're paying this money to or the one that's bringing in the revenue so of course you're going to make sure that ticket that golden ticket is taken care of um and i just feel like that's kind of been what this i think that the the um, amount of stock that they're they put into zion you know from duke to the nba i think that that explains why they come out and say, oh, you know, he's injured. He's going to take some time off to rehabilitate. I just think that they are really, they really truly believe probably like me that this dude is one of a kind. And I, and I, just, and I, and I will never think differently about it because when my eye sees something and I feel like I know it to be true, I'm going to, I'm going to stand on it. And I feel the same way about Ja. I feel like Ja is very talented too. They're, they're talented in, in, in different ways. When I see Ja, I see like a shorter Penny Hardaway in a way. That's just me. And I know it's kind of, you know, Penny was in Memphis. Jaws in Memphis, all that correlation. But just in general, just the type of build he has, this real thin, wiry frame coming into the league, he really reminds me of Penny. Only, obviously, he's a little bit shorter than Penny. But he can, he got he got bunnies, though, like like Penny. So I'm a, I, I, I compare him to uh, Russell Westbrook in a good way. Where he he got hops, but he's he's a smarter player. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, Russ gets triple doubles. I, Russ be doing some dumb stuff on the court, but um, I see him as as Russell Westbrook with the vision. He does have vision. He has great court vision. He got hops, and he can shoot better than Russ already. Um, but we're gonna see, man. Um, I already told you, Jai is gonna be rookie of the year. And my Grizzlies are going to make the playoffs. I told you that. Well, we'll see. No, I ain't no. We, we'll see. They are going to make the playoffs. We'll see. But you know why I I don't believe in the stuff you tell me about Zion? Because you think you can beat me one-on-one in basketball. Oh, my God. <laughs> you think you can beat me one-on-one in basketball? I, I, need, I need all the dudes out there. You've been dodging this hell for the longest. I need all the dudes out there that's been played against me in hoops. I know y'all probably don't want to raise y'all hand because y'all don't want to tell people that y'all got done up uh, by 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 nose the guy. That's Keno's by, talking. By, by nose the guy, but it is what it is. I didn't I didn't give people a whole bunch of L's, and that's just what the facts is. But no, 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 no. I've known you for what was it? It's been maybe a tw- decade. No, it's been more than a decade. It's been like thirteen years. Maybe so. And you've dodged every L I was going to no. give you. Every time we smoke the hoop. Hey, yeah, um, I got to do something. Yeah, the gym is right down the street, but I got to go. Uh, do, I'm like, bro, let's, let's get this I over got, with. I got a schedule. Nah, I got a got, schedule. You ain't got no schedule, but man. We'll, we'll get there, guys. We're going we're gonna to videotape it so the, so the proof is there and uh, so the world can see. But Man, what's on the dot? Let's, 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 let's move <laughs> on. Um, man, you ain't going to beat me in basketball. We can play best of 
Best of three? Best of five? What you want? I just got one game for you. That's it. One one game for the Marbles. That's yeah, how I play. One L then. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Don't ask for no rematch. We'll see. All right. All right. All right, guys. Uh, We're going to switch topics a little bit. Uh, I know everybody has seen what um, Drew Brees had to offer us. Clown. uh, In the wake of all these uh, injustices recently, he decided to make a statement. And I I have nothing against him. Um, stating his claim, you know, I think that's what people should do. You know, I think people should be honest and and uh, draw that line in the sand, so you know where they stand. You know, you know exactly who you're dealing with. And as we can see, a lot of his teammates met him with some opposition, uh, rightfully so. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I, I I just believe that you know he's a grown man and he believes in what he believes in the same way any of us believe in what we believe in. Whether we agree with it or not, at least he was honest enough to say it, you know, where some some other people are, you know, more cowardly and they might feel the same way as him, but would never say anything. But once again, why are we surprised? You know, um, he's a white male in America. This this country, I'm sure in his opinion, is, you know, is his, you know, he inherited he inherited it. Uh, just like any other white person feels like, you know, he's living the American dream like he was supposed to. Um, he's, you know, he comes from a fluent background, uh, a fluent upbringing. So he's always, you know, I'm sure felt like this and and was a very staunch believer in what he believes in. And by all means, believe what you believe, but just know because of what you've said, it's going to make your career very hard to continue. It's going to make it very hard for your teammates to support you, to want to play with you. So good luck with that and that fake-ass apology. Man, let me just start off with this. This is... Sometimes you should shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) That was Malcolm Jenkins, his uh, safety for for the Saints. He came out with a video last night, and I mean that just says it all. Like he said, he looked up the Drew, Drew, Drew said what he had to say, and I mean I agree. I don't agree with Drew, but I agree with Malcolm. Like he said what he wanted to say last night. His PR team must have been blowing him up. I don't know. Did you hear the chance that they were doing last night too? No, I didn't. It was F Drew Brees. I'm talking about and, in in New Orleans. Oh, rightful. I in, mean that's what it is. I mean you. He he should have been smarter. And, and see, that's an interesting point to me, Paul, is that to me, Drew Brees, if I was to look at him from afar and just judge him on interviews I've seen, different quotes, you know, prior to this whole thing, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, Drew Brees seems like a smart guy, right? He doesn't strike me as somebody who's an airhead, right? Right. So... In moments like this, you would think that he would be smart enough to know that you're about to alienate your fan base or not. Well, not probably his main fan base, which is probably people that look like him. But there also is the other side of that, his fan base that are minorities. So he has to be smart enough to know that what he was about to say was going to alienate people. And in that, I feel like that's letting you know that he doesn't really care. Right, right. Because he's smart enough to know what he was about to do, but but you and know what the results would be. Also, his words was, "I would never." Like he said it last night. Like he was so 
he was so determined about it. It was like, I would never respect anybody who does that. Like, he, and then to say, oh, I didn't really know what the kneeling meant. Like, you, come on now. It's been four years. Colin and players been doing this for four years now, and he's talking about, I didn't know what kneeling um, during the national anthem really meant. Like, come on now. You knew exactly what was going on. Paul, I'm a... I'm about to go real heavy for y'all real quick. Um, Preach, Reverend Nose. So, you know, people's point or or viewpoint on it, just like view, uh, Drew Brees is always from the perspective that I will never disrespect the flag, which means that if I disrespect the flag, I'm disrespecting those that have served in the military and those who've, those who've fought and protected this great homeland that we have, right? And that all sounds really good, guys. It, it sounds really good. And I don't take anything away from anybody who wants to join the military, anybody that feels like they want to protect this country. In principle, it sounds really great. It's a very honorable thing. And I'll always support that side of it, you wanting to do something honorable. But the truth of the matter is that History is a lot more complex than that. This government and the military is way more complex than that. The The point of the matter is that I know plenty of people who only went to the military because they didn't have the money to go to college. They didn't have resources to better themselves. So they chose that route because they were being offered a lifestyle. They were being offered funds uh, in exchange for their service. And once again, I would never look down on somebody for having to do that. People have to do what they have to do. But that issue is very convoluted. It's very dynamic. It's very complex. Uh, this whole subject about standing for the flag, kneeling for the flag, disrespecting the flag, disrespecting uh, servicemen and all these different things. I think we look at those things too. It's too much on a surface level. Um, if we wanted to be quite honest a lot of these wars that you're fighting are concocted. They're, they're government ploys. They're, they're ways of introducing colonialism to another nation. It's another coup d'etat. It's another way to uh, take the power away from this person who, uh, this leader who they feel like isn't doing the job that he needs to be doing. And that's kind of where they leave it surfacely. But we all know that the background is a lot more complex and it's a lot more intense than that. They never found any weapons of mass destruction. Do you remember them finding any weapons of mass destruction? But we had a whole war, we had a whole war based on it, right? So do we give do we give if there were no weapons of mass destruction, do we still give props to the troops who went looking for them and didn't find any? Cuz wouldn't that mean that the whole the whole premise of the war was false then? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's like it's like I get it, guys. You want to serve this country. You believe in this country and what it stands for. But truth be told, guys, this country don't give a fuck about you. That's just the honest truth. When these veterans get out the military, you know how many homeless veterans there are? You know how many dis uh, disabled veterans that aren't being taken care of by this country? Do you know how many uh, uh, veterans that there are with PTSD that are uh, basically living a day-to-day -day in a horror movie where they can't even operate uh, or a function properly in society because of the trauma that they've uh, uh, been introduced to as it relates to the military and war. We don't we don't want to talk about that. We want to always look at it from this 
picture perfect perspective. Oh my God, the flag waving in the air and uh, the the picture of the the soldiers at um, uh, I don't know if it was Hiroshima or Nagasaki pull, pushing the flag up. We always want to show these very and once again this hero this hero narrative and and the truth be told, and I think Shannon Sharp even mentioned it um, as it relates to this whole deal with Drew Brees is like black people fought for this country too. And the same freedoms and liberties that they were over there fighting for when they came back to this they country, they couldn't even they reap the benefits of it. Exactly. So fuck you. I mean, that's just what it is. I hate to say it like that, but we just got, we, we, we just got to be real about it. Then the truth be told. And the, and the, and the thing is about it is this, the reason why, Drew Brees says something like that is because these people do not give a fuck. They don't look, they don't care if you as a black person are reaping the benefits of this country. They do not give a fuck. It is not for us in their minds. It is for them. Their ancestors came here and quote unquote built this nation. I guess you can say they mapped it out, blueprinted it. They were the architects. Okay, cool. But a lot of minority people were the people who built this shit. And as we can see with these riots, We'll burn this shit down. Yeah, we didn't build it. You know what I mean? I mean, in the sense of back then our ancestors did, but we're continuing to build this shit as it, as it remain, remains today. We work these nine to five jobs. We work for these corporations where we don't get paid our worth in what we're doing for this corporation. Uh, we're getting paid pennies on the dollars while they're making billions of dollars. We can get into all of it. I'm, 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 I want all the smoke. Because I, 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 got, I got time today. I got time for this bullshit today. And so at the end of the day, we just going to keep it funky. And the, and the truth of the matter is that white people do not give a fuck whether black people succeed in this country, whether Asian people succeed in this country, whether Middle Eastern people or Hispanic people. They just want us for the, for the labor. That's it. They want us for our, what we're good at. If you are good at playing sports, Mr. Black Man, go do that. We're going to own the team. Mr. Hispanic Man, if you're good at building houses, go build them houses. we just going to hire you for contractors, but we own the shit. We make all the money from it. Mr. Asian Man, uh, you good at uh, making uh, delicacies and, and, and food and dishes, and you good at Phones. Uh, uh, making uh, electronics, yeah. and you good at doing people's nails, you do that. We're just going to the, gonna the, get the tax money from you. We're going to... Um, we're going to use you for what you're good at. Mr. Mr. Middle, uh, Middle, Middle Eastern man, whatever you're good at, go do that. We're going to find a way to get our cut of it. So that's the whole thing about America is that there are good things about America in what it can be and what a lot of us that come together culturally and mingle with other people from different cultures and really embrace the melting pot of what America is, there, there can be a lot of great things about this place. But truth be told, a lot of people ruin it and they've been ruining it since the since the jump. Uh, at one point, we were only considered three fifths of a human being. Where does that where does that where does it say that in the Constitution that uh, you get to just label somebody less than human, basically label them as an animal? How does that represent America? Do you want to speak to that, Drew Brees? How about you speak to that? If you want to open your mouth and speak, speak to that. Speak about because you want to you want to believe that this is such a beautiful country and you know my ancestors they sat they they sat on uh, great principles and foundations and they were about the right thing. They ain't never been about the right thing, Drew. Yeah. Never, bro. Yeah. Ne never have your people been about the right thing ever. 
as we see it today, 2020, ever, when cops brutalize people, they barely want to bring charges. They barely want to fire the folks. They act like they're doing a disservice to the cop instead of the person that they just beat the, half to death. Are you stupid? So, like I said, I got all the time today. If we want to go there, we can go there. So, it is what it is. Well, it's just like we always say. White people, they want to they want to have our culture. They want to be like us. They want to take our music, our dances. They want to be like us in sports. But when it's all said and done, they will never be black. <laughs> and, they, and they don't want to be black in times like this. Well, and guys, I don't want to I don't want y'all to believe that, you know, we're we're just aiming all this all this uh, vile, you know, uh, aggressive rhetoric at white people. You know, it's not just about white people. There's a there's a lot of different uh, directions that we can take this into. That's just one of the directions you know, in, in this country in particular, you know, Caucasian people do make up the majority. We are dealing with America in particular in this conversation, dealing with Drew Brees and what his feelings are and the current state of uh, police brutality in these different categories. But we just keeping it funky with y'all. We just keeping it real with y'all. And as, and as two black men, we tired of this shit. I mean, I can tell y'all straight up and down, it's days where I literally am just exhausted from being black. It's like, I'm not exhausted because I worked out. I'm not exhausted because I had a long day at work. I'm literally exhausted just for being black. Just because I get these weird looks throughout the day, get weird looks on the elevator. I got my hood on walking past somebody. They looking at me crazy. I got people, you know, looking over their shoulder, making sure I didn't turn around and following them. You know, it's just like all these weird little things that just exhaust you after a while. It's true. And then, of course, dealing with the police and they bullshit. It's just too much. And I think that people, and don't get me wrong, and we can segue this, we can segue this conversation into uh, what I wanted to go into a little bit is don't get it twisted. Black people do have to hold themselves accountable in in some ways. As much as we've progressed, there still are things about our community that have to be addressed. We cannot deny that, right? Like right. we we can't. Right. It's every every community has things that they need to address. There might be drug issues in a particular community. There could be, uh, um, uh, you know people going to prison in certain communities. There's there's always something going on. There could be uh, kids in the suburbs are doing prescription drugs. Uh, people in the projects are doing hard, you know, hard crack and heroin and cocaine. You know, there's always going to be some issues plaguing yeah. communities, no matter what it is. And it doesn't have to be drugs or jail. It could be whatever it might be. Um, you know, I know a the Asian community has a lot of issues socially, you know, when's, when's the last time you just bumped into a random Asian person and had an hour long conversation? Most time it don't happen because they're not really socializing with too many people outside of people in their culture. You can say that the same thing about maybe the Indian culture as well. But the point I'm trying to make is that every group has things that they're dealing with. Black people are dealing with the ramifications of 
so many years of slavery, so many years of Jim Crow, so many years of racism, so many years of being told that we're less than, so many years of watching our ancestors be abused, being bitten by dogs, being sprayed by hoses. We tired of that shit. We're, I don't like some days as a black person, I don't even want to think about what my history was. I don't want to think about it because it's very traumatic. It's traumatic to watch somebody being gunned down in the street. It's very traumatic looking at a photo of a woman in a dress in the 60s being attacked by a German shepherd uh, that weighs 100 pounds, being sprayed by a water hose, uh, putting out however many cubic pounds of feet uh, pressure towards this, this fragile woman. So all these things are traumatic. And don't get it wrong. Once again, a lot of communities have been through some very terrible things. The Jewish people have been through hellacious things with the Holocaust and dealing with Hitler. Um, the Japanese have dealt with America, you know, when they were getting blamed for Pearl Harbor and having their businesses taken away and being thrown in internment camps and these different things. A lot of groups have the Native Americans, you know, that we can go on and on about the things that have been done to, to, to many groups throughout history and throughout the world. But we're in 2020 right now. So we, all we can speak about is what's going on right now. And what's going on right now is that people are drawing the line in the sand about where they stand. Drew Brees, apology or not, he put his foot in the sand and he drew that line. He's letting you know that he believes in what he believes in. He believes in what his version of America is. He believes in what his version of the flag symbolizes. And has that flag worked to other people's benefit, minorities benefit? Sure, we're not going to we're not going to discredit that. We're not going to discredit that people have found success in America where they wouldn't find success somewhere else. But I have a point to make about that Paul is that this is how America acts about this country. They act like just because they treat us better here in comparison to other places means that they need to get kudos for that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's almost like it's almost like when a when a father or parent wants to get credit for being a parent. You don't yeah. get credit for that. Right. You Because that's to do what that. you're supposed, yeah, you're to, supposed be to be doing. Do right. right. So if you if this country is so great. We don't want to hear a bunch of talking or a bunch of uh, constitution uh, rhetoric about what it stands for and your forefathers and every man's created equal. Man, we ain't never been created equal in your in your eyes and in this country. So don't feed us all this bullshit if it's really not how you feel. And if that's how you feel, you should have never brought our black ass over here in the first place. Exactly. Because really, Paul, that's what the truth of it is, is that. It's coming back to bite them in the ass. Truth be told. I, I always laugh at that. Uh, I forgot what video was that where they had, um, they was like, go back to your country. It was like, well, you shouldn't have brought us over here. Shit. Like a white man said and, that. And, and, see, and, see, and see, you know, some groups of people, and I mean, it can, it can go for all groups. It's not just white people or anybody in particular. You know, people can be opportunistic. When it comes to making money and getting ahead and being successful and they and they will abuse you if you allow them to abuse you. Mm -hmm. Right. If you don't fight back, they will. And I know I know individual people like that, people that if you allow them to get over on you, they will continue to get over on you. And you might look at them like. 
you can't believe that they have no principle and they have no moral to not treat a person like that. But truth be told, some people just don't care. Some people, it's just a means to an end. And if they feel like you're you're that means to that end, they will abuse you. And that's what America is. As much as they try to to um, put America on a pedestal uh, for for the opportunities that are here, a bunch of that is a lot of bullshit. And a bunch of that is uh, laws and policies that only benefit certain groups of people. And sometimes, not even when it's about certain groups of people, but sometimes it's about, it's like it's America's way or the highway. It's like if you play our game the way we want you to play it, we'll allow you to get to a certain point of success or comfortability or complacency in your nine to five job and just having you know, just enough to scrape by and have a little bit of savings or what have you. But if you don't play their game, you get excommunicated. You don't have a chance to succeed. And if you do succeed, it'll be based on your own creativity and your own willpower to uh, come up with something outside of their system that will allow you to be successful. They only they only allow people that play the game by their rules to succeed. Well, and that's why, and and that's where we fail a lot of times as a community because we, a lot of our people are fed up. We don't want to play the game anymore. We, we're sick of it. We, we're sick of working fifty hours, sixty hour work weeks, um, and not being uh, compensated for what we're really doing, or being let go from jobs unfairly, or you know the company just wants to trim off some some uh, some revenue that they're paying out and they're trying to increase their bottom line so they let a slew of people go and you're the victim of that. Mm-hmm. Like People are tired of that. That's why people are out here looting. That's why people are out here stealing because these people are broke. Yeah. You know, some people don't, some people didn't have job security during COVID. I couldn't imagine it. I have job security, you know, through this whole process. So I'm not someone who is sitting here trying to figure out where my next meal is coming from or, or, how am I going to pay my rent or pay for, pay my bills? I'm not concerned with that. Like a bulk of people that are out here as far as the unemployment uh, rate as it, as it sits, you know, present day. So and I'm not sure what the exact numbers is. I can look them up, but I know it's in the tens to twenties of millions as it relates to people that are unemployed. So imagine that, that burden that people are sitting with on top of how this country already treats you. It's going, it's going to be chaos. Well, not only that, it's just like we always say, when it comes to racist and racism, I rather I'm not worried about the people who are openly racist. I'm worried about people who are in the closet racist, like who act like, you know, they're your friend. They they enjoy you. And of course, we see them every day, every day. Um, but what I was going to ask you about is with all these companies talking about Black Lives Matter and, you know, they're on that they're um they're all in agreement with black people do you think it's because they're trying to save face or do you think they actually mean it because nothing has changed since 2000 and what was it whenever cap was doing it nothing has changed more black people have gotten killed uh you know people still getting wrongfully accused uh we're still talking about the same thing we've been talking about since then but now all of a sudden everyone's doing it because i saw I don't know if you saw the tweets by Martellus Bennett, but he was like, they're only doing it now because it's like they're forced to do it. If they don't say Black Lives Matter, then okay, now they're the outlier. Oh, why aren't you in agree? Aren't, why aren't you agreeing with them? Why aren't you saying speaking out? Because 
Nike was pretty much the only company to say, you know, that was supporting Cap in all, in all our protests. But now everyone's saying it. So do you believe that this is authentic or are you just, like I said, are they just saving face? Because that's how I feel. It, yeah, like, Paul, it's never authentic. Yeah. It, it, like, there's never a time where I see a corporation stand up for injustice, you know, on the backside of the issue. And I think it's authentic. Anytime you see an athlete or anybody that has a sponsorship with a corporation, when that person does something like go to jail or get caught up in some type of scandal, the corporation cuts ties with them immediately. And the reason why they do that is not because of not because they truly care about what that person did. They could give a they care less about that. All they're concerned with is their bottom line. They're worried about the perception that's going to be out there and the fact that that might cause them to lose money. That's the only thing that these people care well, about. Well, I will say, though, I can honestly say, so Adam Silver with the NBA, like I can honestly say that he cares about black people because what he did to uh, Donald Sterling was huge. And of course, and it's like that's the only sport that allows black people to be black other than, you know, they changed the dress code or whatever. But when they had the I can't breathe, you know, they're really promoting that. And, I mean, they're still doing it, of course, but, like, now NFL coaches, oh, Black Lives Matter. I was like, bro, come on now. We know it's racism in the NFL. So, so check this out, Paul. So, speaking to that Donald Sterling situation, and for those who aren't familiar with it, essentially, Donald Sterling is the owner of the, or was the owner of the Clippers, and he was video record uh, recorded by his mistress or what have you at the time, his side chick. Uh, and she caught him on audio speaking basically down on black people and minorities. Uh, he didn't want her to be associating with black people or, um, or minorities. But the bigger point I wanted to make about that situation is that, number one, I f- always felt like the, the players didn't do enough as it relates to that incident, as we can see with Muhammad Ali and these different um, social activists, uh, political activists from back in the day, the reason why they're so revered is that they put uh, their not only their lives on the line, but their careers on the line in many ways to stand for what the right thing was and what for what they believed in. And in that situation with Donald Sterling, at the time, I was like, the the biggest statement that the NBA players can make is just don't play. Right. Call, cause this institution to lose money, and then you'll find out how quickly you have power to make a change. And luckily, like you said, Adam Silver, who seems like a genuine guy, as, as well as I try to read people's body language and how they come across and different things like that, I've always felt positive about Adam Silver. I've always felt like he was a a very logical and uh, fair-minded type of individual, just the way he presents himself. I don't know him personally, obviously, but that's how he comes across. So I I gave him kudos for executing that um, plan to get Donald Sterling out of ownership. Uh, I gave him many brownie points for that. And another point to that that I want to make is that it's funny how elitism works, right? And what I mean by that is that in that situation, Donald Sterling didn't lose. That's what happens when you are elite in this country, when you have 
a certain level of privilege due to, you know, finances and wealth and, and things of that nature, you most likely, it, it would be hard to find an incident where Donald Sterling lost in that whole ordeal. And what I mean by that is that, yes, he had to give up ownership of the team, right? He still made a huge profit of it. God made a billion. Exactly. Maybe two. It was two billion. Um, and... Let's look up the actual facts so I can so I can uh, speak accurately about it, and then I want to get to the to another uh, point that's that's related, but but kind of aside from it. And so what I'm doing right now, I'm looking up how much the Clippers were worth when Donald Sterling first bought the team. I think it was about. I'm just going off the top of my head. It's probably like eight hundred thousand, maybe. Okay, so I'm about to look it up right now, yeah, so, it's about, so we can it's be about, accurate. It's about. Well, yeah, it was about eight hundred thousand, but but as you're looking it up, but did you hear what Doc Rivers? He just revealed this recently. How he was talking to this before he got hired. He was talking to Donald Sterling's agent or whoever it was about how he wanted to get a white guy on the team. I forgot who it was. Oh, JJ Reddick. Yeah, yeah, JJ yeah, Reddick. Yeah, he didn't like white players, so Doc Rivers had an issue. About yeah, that. yeah. Oh. So so that that's a that's an interesting point onto itself <laughs> that we'll have to address. So when Donald Sterling bought the Clippers, uh, he bought them for, they were the San Diego Clippers at the time, he bought them for $12.5 million. That was way off. That's cool. Um, $12.5 million for an NBA team. I'm thinking about the Cowboys when I said that. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. And now I'm about to tell you how much he sold them for. And, okay, so he bought them for $12.5 million. He ends up selling the Clippers for $2 billion to Steve Ballmer. Now, back to my point. Whether Donald Sterling was being racist or not, whether he's a terrible human being, whether he's the scum of the earth, he's vermin, he's a scoundrel, no matter what he is, the man did not lose in that scenario at all. He said what he had to say about black people, about those black players, not wanting to be around them, not wanting to be associated with them, but yet... He needed them to perform on the court. And that's my whole point is that we have to get to a certain point where we literally are flipping the finger to these people because they really believe that they own us, that they control us, that they are the ones who are going to benefit long term for, for the work that we put out, especially on a sports field. And and I want to bring up another point before we before we uh, go on any further. I want to I want to talk about the quote that came from the Houston, Texas owner. Uh, I want to say it happened about maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago. That was very controversial. But this is just a this this is just to paint the picture for what we're dealing with, so we can stop acting like we're so surprised about how evil and how and how demonstrative that these people are that a lot of these people are. Well, you need to realize at the end of the day, too, like, they don't really care about the players. <laughs> they don't. I mean, you see how easily they, they just take advantage of them. But go ahead. You found what you're looking for? Yeah, so I found it. So the Texans owner at the time, Bob McNair, this was, uh, I believe, right after Kaepernick started his protest where he was kneeling. And, you know, I know everybody that's familiar with sports and football around that time you know, the NFL was really taking a blow um, as far as trying to stop players from kneeling during the national anthem. It was just causing this big 
outrage amongst a lot of fans and military people um, around that time. But around that time, I, I'm assuming, or not assuming, but a lot of his players were protesting. And the quote that he came out and said, why didn't, you know, this wasn't something that was recorded by mistake or recorded without his knowledge. This was a quote that he put out there. And this is just to give you the mind state that a lot of these people are in. And it's a very slave uh, master mentality. This man said, we can't have the inmates running the prison. And if you break that down, Mm -hmm. it's very deep. We can't have the inmates running the prison. So basically you're comparing your NF, the players that are on your team, you are comparing them to inmates in a prison. And because they're protesting, you view that as subordinate action. You view that as them being dissenters. You view that as almost like a prison riot. You are the warden. You are the slave master over this plantation and your slaves are getting out of control. That's essentially what the man is saying. So all of that is to say this when it comes to Steve McNair and what he has to say, Donald Sterling and what he has to say. You can feel how you want to feel about my community, you know, as as black people. You can feel how you want to feel. You can feel that, you know, a lot of us don't have fathers. A lot of us you know, don't come from two-parent households. We've had drug problems, you know, in our history. Uh, we've had issues with poverty in our history. You can feel however you want to feel about it. But always remember that we didn't choose this bullshit. We didn't choose to come here. Exactly, yeah. If we have issues over in Africa, um, or if we had issues over in Africa, if we never came to this country... We can we can take that on our own shoulder. We we have to shoulder those issues that we might have, but the African American story is very peculiar. Our our culture is a created culture. We created it. It's a mix of European culture mixed with African culture mixed with a little bit of a new sauce that we've created over time, and that's a very peculiar story. Most people don't have that story. Most people are coming from a long lineage of culture. Anglo-Saxons are coming from a long lineage of culture. Germanic culture, long lineage. African culture, long lineage. Chinese, long lineage. Japanese, long lineage. The black experience is literally less than 200 years old. Yeah, I mean... So, though there's parts of our culture, like I said, that we have to take accountability for no matter the circumstances, no matter how poorly we're treated, we still have to organize and get our shit together make a united front all our, and I was telling this telling somebody this the other day all of the elite of our community we they have to come together all our doctors all our lawyers all our public accountants all our political um, uh, uh, con- con- uh, contributors all of these elite, African-American people that are out there, all these polished individuals that are out there, they have to come together. We have to come together in order to make a stand against the way people are treating us, the the way people are are addressing us. Because if we don't, as you can see, they're going to continue to run over us and say things like the inmates are running the prison. 
screw you. Like, 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 yeah, point it, blank. It, like, it, it's funny because he even said, oh, that's not what I meant. That's exactly what you meant. That's exactly why, what why you every meant. Time, why every time someone comes out and says something like that, the next day or whenever, oh, well, I, I didn't mean to say that. That's not what I really meant. That's exactly what you meant to say. You've been thinking about it the whole time. So, I mean, it's nothing... It's, it's like we, we're protesting, but now, like, your president said, he's not mine. He, he called the, the, the people who were uh, who, who uh, went ran into the Capitol, oh, these are good people. But what, they had guns, everything. You know, they had the uh, bulletproof vest on, everything. Those are good people. You know, leave, leave them alone. This, this will pass. But then black people come out, and they're protesting. Oh, look at these thugs. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Remember, that, that's his favorite line. So... Yeah, and I want to dig a little bit into that point, and we'll use, uh, let me get her name right so I can give her her due credit. It was the anchor who told LeBron James to continue uh, to, oh, it's, shut, it's, to shut up it's, in general. Uh, Laura, uh, Laura Graham, I think. Hold up. It's, it's, it's Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram. So... To Miss Laura Ingram, I want to make this point. Um, as we've as we've seen, uh, she had her stance about LeBron James just shutting up and shutting up and dribbling. Um, and when it came to Drew Brees, she felt like he had all the right to make his statement. And guys, what that's showing you is that this country they hide. A lot of times they hide the racism in the rhetoric, in the semantics, and how they talk about a certain subject. So if you're not keeping up with them, if you're not paying close attention, it'll go right over your head and you'll miss the fact that they've disrespected you out in the open um, with, with no issues about it at all. And so with Laura Ingram, what she's, what she's showing you subliminally through her takes on these different athletes is that she believes that Drew Brees as a white man is more credible than LeBron James as a black man to speak on certain issues. And that's always one of the big things in this country is their belief in who's credible, who's polished enough to keep up with the subject, who's polished enough to actually articulate what's happening in the political space, in the societal space, they, they, they're always trying to make it a low IQ thing versus a, a, a high IQ. So essentially, she's alluding to Drew Brees having a high, a high enough IQ to be credible about what he's speaking about. Drew Brees comes from a good home, an affluent home that he grew up in with very professional parents. LeBron James she knows comes from a troubled background, single, single parent background, uh, was damn near impossible for him to become who he is today. But even with who he became, she still doesn't give him credibility. It's, it's, it's sad because it's like she doesn't even realize the hypocrisy and everything. Like she, she told LeBron and D-Way, shut up and dribble. But then with Drew Brees, oh, he's allowed to have an opinion. Come on now, like, what, what is the difference besides the color of their skin? 
It's the perceived credibility. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's the same thing like you're saying. And, and, and if you pay attention, it's all the same thing. When you say that Trump looks at armed white men at the Capitol and say, oh, those are good people, those are good folks, and then, you know, see some black people and calls them thugs or say they start looting, we start shooting and all, all these different things. It's the it's all the same conversation. It's a credibility conversation. Right. They 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 refuse to give anybody outside of themselves credibility to speak on a subject to to um, enact change. They view it like this. They view it that a black person isn't educated enough to know exactly what the flag stands for, exactly what this country stands for, exactly what the principles and the foundation of which their ancestors wrote the Constitution. They, they feel like we're not even smart enough to understand that. That's why they, they want, she won't give credibility to a LeBron James because by default, because he's black, he's not credible enough. That is what they're trying to tell you. And like I said, they do it in their, in their rhetoric, in their conversation. You sp- I know, Paul, you speak to you know, people using big words all the time. This is how they, this is how they disseminate uh, their their racist <laughs> ideas is through those big words. Uh-huh. They're hope they're, like have, you know the average person doesn't stop and watch C-SPAN for for hours on end every day because most people view it as boring. They don't. Why would I, why do I want to sit here and watch a congressional hearing about said topic? They find that boring. I find it intriguing, and I find it intriguing because I know those are the places where you'll find. Um, that particular type of rhetoric that is going to go over most people's heads mm-hmm. where they're disseminating how they really feel about different people in this country. It's just that people aren't tuning in or people aren't paying attention to exactly how they're, how they're mapping out their arguments. And like I said, Laura Ingram, it's all rooted in what she uh, 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 views as a high IQ person versus versus a low IQ person, a person from impoverished background versus a person who came from a quote unquote good home. And that's one thing that people don't realize is that who cares that Drew Brees come, came from a good home? He clearly lacks any type of moral standing based on what he said. Yeah. So who cares that he came from a good home? Yeah. He, clearly, he clearly doesn't care about even the players on his own team that he so-called probably calls his brother or calls his friend he clearly doesn't care about that, what's, right? What's, so what does it matter that he came from a good home? Well, clearly he wasn't taught anything. Well, it was that too. And also someone was arguing me earlier today. It was like, well, Drew's giving money to the black community. So obviously he didn't mean it. I was like, what that don't mean anything. I was like, what, is, what does that have to do with anything? That me, means nothing. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me piggyback on that point, Paul. This is the <laughs> point I wanted to get to. I don't know if you saw this. I made sure to take it down earlier. So, you know, Wendy's as a corporation, you know, the, the fast food place, I guess they got on a list of the Trump. Organi- organizations that support yeah. Trump, right? Yeah. So, of course, they were catching flack for it. Back to that conversation about them making sure that they, you know, come back with an apology or some kind of thing to make sure that their, uh, some of their customer base doesn't lead them, leave them based on what they, you know, mm. their, their politics. So... Wendy's came out as a corporation. It quote in, in quotes. This is what they said: "Our voice would be nothing without black culture." First of all, fuck you. Um, <laughs> like what? Like like? And that's what I'm saying, Paul. Is that people think that they're, people think that they're so intelligent, but if 
people in my community are smart enough to read through bullshit, you would know off the rip that first line is complete bullshit. What what you know it is just like the Popeyes thing. People think that Popeyes is owned by black people because it's a black lady to come around. I was like, no. <laughs> but go ahead. I don't even want to talk about that. Bro. Go ahead. They got but, some good chicken. But, <laughs> but so let's continue with their quote. Our voice would be nothing without black culture. First of all, what voice are you talking about? You sound retarded. Right now, a lot of people are hurting because of blatant racism against black people. Their voices need to be heard, period. What is this? And, and the point I'm trying to make is that when these corporations come out and try to placate to the black community, if you're smart enough to read through the lines, you would see that even in them trying to relate to us, it's showing how badly they're disconnected from our community because they try to use certain things. It's almost just like, when Hillary Clinton thought it would be cute to sauce. pull hot sauce hot out of her bag. <laughs> or or Joe Biden was so comfortable around black people that he thought he could come out and say, if you don't know who, who to vote for, you're not black. Like, what are you guys thinking? Are you that are you that culturally disconnected that you don't know that that's a bunch of bullshit? Well, yeah, and, that's the problem. And that and 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 as black people, we should be highly offended by them doing things like that because what they're trying to do is that they're placating to the part of our our community that is not as intelligent that cannot see through the bullshit that's gonna fly on that surface radar and basically take what's given to them uh they can placate to us and have us vote for them and their democratic party and all these different things but there are people out there in this community that know their game and, and how they play it. And we know that every election election cycle, they're going to find some cute way to try to placate the black people. Yep. Hot sauce in the bag. Um, let me finish this Wendy's quote. So black people's voices aren't being heard. Hashtag black lives matter. All that bullshit. So it says in the, upcom- in the coming days, we'll be using our Twitter account to amplify black voices because what's the point of this big platform if we don't use it for what matters during times like these? We're about putting our money where our mouth is. So here's our money and here's our mouth. We are committed to donating 500K, which is nothing to a billion dollar corporation, to, a, to support social justice, the youth and education in the black community, starting with the third good Marshall College Fund, and we'll have receipts. <laughs> they said we'll have receipts. <laughs> For Christ's sake, Paul. I told somebody this earlier. They might as well donate to the National Fried Chicken and Hot Sauce College Fund. How cliche of an organization. They're, they're pandering. Pandering? <laughs> they're pandering. Do we look like idiots? Obviously, they must think so. Yeah, the third good, the third good Marshall they, they make, College they, Fund. They, they made sure to put third good Marshall. With there. <laughs> I didn't even know they did that. Third but. good, and I guess he he was what to y'all a good. Uh, uh, he was one of the good boys, one of the good blacks, the ones that ain't he, ain't gonna cause up a whole bunch of no, whole he, bunch of issues, massa. He was the lightest one to them. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, bro! And like I said, bro, we're not going for it. We're reading through all the lines. All the all the BS. We're reading through all of it, and we're not going for it. Hillary, you can keep your hot sauce in your goddamn bag. Joe Biden, you ain't as cool as you think you are. Well, you ain't cool. You, you definitely ain't cool with the black community, no matter what happens in the, at the end of the day, no matter how the election 
goes. Uh, people feel like they got to choose somebody. They feel like you the you the you the uh, lesser of two evils. So, so even if you do get support, it ain't it ain't genuine. It's just because people are living in a hellhole. They trying to get up out of it. Exactly. So, well, know. well, let's let's piggy off let's piggy off that and let's just make a lighter note though of some of our black leaders like let's just take let's just be let's just take this soft-hearted let's not go but tell me what's up with your boy ti man like you really need to i told you about but you need to hear the recording about how he said atlanta's wakanda it's like all right all right but all right black people i'm gonna tell you this once and one time only, <laughs> we have to find better representation than what we have. T.I. does not represent me. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> King of the South. Cliff, Clifford. You do not represent me politically. Um, you do not represent me intellectually. I don't care what y'all think about the big words that he uses expeditiously, all this all this BS. <laughs> the truth of a ma- the truth of the matter is that Ti is not a real intellectual. I don't care what anybody says. Ti is a guy who is plant. He is playing intellectual. He's doing his best. He's catering to a particular type of audience in our community that will believe that he's this this savior of black people. This 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 all do gooder of black people. I'm not going for it. But once again, I'm only gonna say this one time. T.I. does not represent me. Killer Mike, he he does what he does pretty good sometimes. He did well in his speech uh, that he had when the loot, the looting and the rioting started. I have nothing negative to say about that. But my overarching theme is this: T.I. does not represent me. Killer Mike really does not represent me. Really, um, Jesse Jackson does not represent me. Al Sharpton does not represent me. And I'm gonna be a little controversial here. I was telling I was telling Paul this off air. I support Kaepernick and what he stands for. Um, I have no problem with the kneeling. Obviously, we've went over all of that. But I'm interested in this notion that Kaepernick is this Muhammad Ali figure. I I don't believe I, I I don't believe that. Um, the inception of the whole uh, taking a knee, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick did not. Uh, try to push himself out into the open and tell everybody, "Hey, I'm I'm kneeling for the flag." I th- I believe somebody took a picture of him and it got out that he was kneeling, so it became all this backlash, and he had to stand on it. And I respect him for standing on it. But the issue that I have is that how do we knight somebody as this savior or this representative to our people? But Kaepernick never talks. He never says anything. Right. Like you, you're, you're supposed to be this political activist, but you never say anything. You never come out and voice to the people your thoughts on what's going on in this country and what we can do to 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 um, combat it, uh, to help it, to organize anything. Well, and, and maybe and maybe I'm missing it. Well, maybe well, I'm not getting the memo that well, Kaepernick is I sending think, out. I think the thing about it is, Cap was the only one. And it wasn't by choice. Like, he lost his job, and they blackballed him after that. But no one else has decided to do that but, with their job. Okay, I mean, but, but but Paul, my point is this, is that Kaepernick was already riding the bench when that happened. Right, right, right. So it's not like he he gave up this Hall of Fame career that he was pursuing at that time. It's, I mean, yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. And, and I want to preface this, you know, before I continue. I'm not saying that I don't support Kaepernick because I – 
I believe in what he's what the surface level of it is is that but you're you want kneeling. more from you want well you if, want if he's go, if he's going to continue to be knighted in that way they're knighting right, him right. they're knighting him like he's Muhammad Ali but but it, absolutely so so, yeah. so if you're Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was on the front line talking about these yeah, things. Yeah, he was willing he, to go to he jail. Was, he yeah. Was, yeah, he was out there. So I don't want to. I don't want to hear people always throwing Kaepernick's name up. Like I'm supposed to. But like I'm supposed to bow to Ka- Colin Kaepernick because of this platform that he's standing on. Because at the end of the day, like I'll reiterate, it was never Colin Ka- Kaepernick's intention to be in the forefront of this issue. Right, but that's why I said that, that's why I was saying like Colin is. Of course, they're going to call him a martyr for it, but. There's no one else who has actually gone that limp. I think the closest player was Eric Reed, but he's back in the NFL right. now. And Malcolm Jenkins is back in the NFL, too. I think he was always still there. But no one's actually gone through the lengths of, like, I don't think a corporation like Nike is going to get somebody else like Eric Reed. All right, we got another black guy now that can that, that can take over cap spot, you know, because – of just everything, like they still want to have a career. No one's willing to take that sacrifice. Granted, Colin, you know, wasn't planning on losing his job, but no one else has stood up to, you know, to not lose. I mean, they're they're not willing to lose their job to stand up what's for what's right. Because of course, right. people still gotta gotta eat, but that's part of the problem. Like they're not gonna do that. That's and I think they're saying, well, if we gotta find somebody, then by default, it's gonna be Cap. Right, and I and I actually rock with everything you just said. Like I, I I I agree with that whole take. I think that that's kind of what it boiled down to. And like I said, don't get me don't get my words twisted. I I genuinely support Kaepernick and what he stands for. It's just I I really take issue with who my community decides is our representative. And truth be told, none of the people that are out there in the forefront, Kaepernick, uh, Ti, Killer Mike. Uh, Jesse Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. No, I mean, own. what kind? Of, what, th- 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 that's not really a real. That's not a. That's not a polished lineup that you can go to war with against what we at war about. Well, 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 well I will say I'm a big Killer Mike fan, but there there needs to be other than just you know our, our rapper of Atlanta to help. Like, I mean, I agree with completely what he said. Uh, the night we started. Uh, we start protesting in Atlanta, but like I said, there's no one as polished like you were saying before. Uh, and, but go ahead. And, uh, and, and 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 speaking to that point about being polished, I guess my thing is this: it's not it's not about a holier than thou position. I'm not trying to make it like, oh, who who am I to to talk down on these people that are trying to do something? That's not that's not what I'm trying to come across as. What I'm trying to say is that. We've had polished leaders in the past, right? So, like, Malcolm X, yeah, he was a a, 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 a criminal at one point, a criminal turned, um, you know, preacher or activist. and But by no means did he bring his past with him in the sense that you would have never known what his past was unless he told you. Right. Uh-huh. The, the 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 face that he was presenting to you was this of a of a polished man of an educated man of a mm-hmm. of a well-read man of a guy who it was no fluff in his game there was no there was no there was no uh smoking mirrors with Malcolm X it was strictly of a person who knew his details that knew his history that knew the fight that he was up against and whether whether you are you subscribe to Malcolm's politics and how he, you know, went about um, 
you know, his time here as an activist. Like, I don't, I don't agree with everything that Malcolm did, but one thing that I always stand on is that he was a polished individual. You didn't want, you didn't want any issue with Malcolm X because he was not going to let you intimidate him with your intellect or with your um, aggression or any of that. He was, he knew where he stood. He knew why he stood there and he knew the facts. And if you tried to come at him, um, you were, you were in for, for, for a long night because you were dealing with somebody who was very prepared. And that's my point is that T.I. is not very prepared. He's not, he's not, (laughs) he's not ready to just get up in front of a group of people and speak on, the black community's behalf. I'm not going for that. And we can't go for that. It, the fact of the matter is that Killer Mike did pretty well, but the point of the matter is that we need somebody polished. Where are where are the, the black, uh, those of us that are political science majors? Where is An- Angela Rye is a good example. She is a, a contributor that uh, um, that is big into social activism and, and different things, very polished, very, very educated. I need I need those type of people as my representative, people that I can trust um, to be uh, well read, to be polished, to be well studied and, and, and well and well prepared to deal with the chaos that is America. Let's um, let's uh, let's start politicking for I know you'll agree with me on this, but let's start politicking for Bumani Jones, man. Bumani Jones, twenty twenty four. Bumani Jones for president, twenty twenty four. Bumani Jones for president. Man, he ain't gonna do that shit. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't gonna and, do and, that. And, and maybe, and maybe that's what it boils down to. Paul is that a lot of, a lot of, a lot of um, people that are that are polished enough in our community. Uh, maybe they don't want to be a part. Of, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't want to be the representative. Maybe right. they, maybe they don't want to put themselves out on the front line and. Um, but I can't. I can't say that to be the, the 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 absolute truth. I'm just saying that for some of uh, those people, maybe that's what that is. At the end of the day, that's maybe that's why um, we find that our representative is just these random people, random rappers, and random you know entertainers. Is that the people that are polished enough to really do it don't want to truly be a part well, of it? Well, but I I, can, I I would hate to believe that that's what the case is. Well, Paul. I think a lot of it is too. Is that Especially the black community. If you're popular, especially at that moment, then black people are gonna come together. Hey, let's get them for the president. Like we just jokingly said Bumani Jones, but we actually have references and credits to say, oh, he will work. But people remember, I don't know if you remember like five, four years ago, they were talking about Kanye West for president. I don't know why they were saying that, but it was he'd be a great yeah, president. I, I think that now, was on, I think that was on the backside of Trump, you know. Like, now look at us. Now now look like, who Want Kanye West as a president, but 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 anyway, I digress. Uh, we did, we also had other stuff on the docket, man. Because yeah, what, let's what let's let's, let's switch um, lanes. You know, a lot of that stuff is very heavy, and um, you know, maybe people want to listen to that, maybe they don't. But let's switch gears, nonetheless. Um, I think we've went through majority of what we wanted to talk about, guys. Uh, we've gone in length about. A lot of different subjects: Drew Brees, racism in sports, um, Zion the, and the John riot, Morant, the riots, black representation, these different things. Uh, Paul, is there anything else that you wanted to, that you wanted to cover? I know we had mentioned Candace Owens, uh, bringing her up a little bit. I, obviously, that's not the lightest of subjects because she's a very no. polarizing individual. So I don't know if you want to go down that road. Um, 
I mean, we there's I mean, we got we covered a lot of stuff. Um today's Wednesday, right? No, today's Thursday, today's Thursday. so we can actually see what happens after this <laughs> after we record cuz something always happens after we record. Um let's see, we talked about NBA, we talked about Ja, we talked about you not being to beat me in basketball. Oh god. Um <laughs> Um, that's about it though, to be honest with you. Uh, and talking about killing Mike, you need to listen to Run the Jewels for. I don't even know if you listen to Run the Jewels, but I heard I heard it was good. I, I actually haven't heard Run the Jewels. I definitely heard it was a good body of work, uh, for sure. And and like I said, I, I don't want my words to be misconstrued as me saying that I'm not a fan of Ti or a fan of Killer Mike. I'm a fan of them musically, and like I said, Killer Mike does say some things that I agree with, obviously. Um, and he's able to art- articulate himself very well. Uh, I just feel like as a community, uh, back to this point, is that we just need better representation. We, we, we need representation that can be taken seriously on, a, on um, more serious platforms um, in, in order to you know, address our politics accordingly. Uh, we need that. We're owed that. We deserve that. Uh, we've had it in the past. Uh, we have... Um, those type of individuals around today, very polished, educated people uh, that need to step up. Maybe we need to step up. Maybe I need to step up um, and be and be what I want the change to be. So you know, it, it's it's a very interesting conversation. But like I said, I don't want my words uh, construed. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just stating my position on it and uh, my feelings as a as a black person because I feel like you know my feelings are as valid as anybody's. Um, so, so that's why I'll leave no, it. No, but also, like I said before, well, I didn't say this yet, but why don't you just run? <laughs> Kenos Davis for president, uh, 2028. 2028? Why not 2024? I'm not ready yet. You're not ready yet. I'm not polished enough. No, I got, you, I got to go back to the drawing board. No, you, you know what I mean? Polished. I, I, can't, I can't, you know, I can't put myself out there knowing that, um, I'm not I'm not I'm not studied enough to represent us and that's and that, and I, and, I, and that goes back to my point is that um you have to be you have to be very prepared in order to deal with this monster that we call America and that's and that's what the facts are. Okay then. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. <laughs> but sometimes you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we dealt with that. Anyway, guys, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. You did some preaching, man. Episode four of the Most Hated Podcast. Karen, I'm not going to tell you again. I'm not. <laughs> that was the last time I was going to tell you what to do. You know what the right thing to do is. So Let that damn dog go. <laughs> All right, man. Episode four, Most Hated Podcast, and we out. We out. <laughs>